For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and it is a Tom Brady podcast. It is official. Jake's got a big smile on his face. I got a big smile on his face. Even Jamie's smiling because you know what? Tom and Bruce together, it is a great day. It is a celebratory day that we have to spend apart, which is a damn shame because I would love to see a press conference today with Bruce and Tom standing next to each other. But, you know, it is what it is. We will not be uh, – we're doing our social distancing thing. But, Jake, just now that you can react as – as a son, as a fan, as a football fan, as a just like as a former player, just react in totality to the meaning of Tom Brady going to taking his talents to to Tampa Bay. Pure shock, I still think. I don't. I don't know that it's set in. I mean, it's. Uh, you put out the list of my dad's quarterbacks that he's worked with. People keep forgetting that the last time the Cleveland Browns went to the playoffs, it was him and Tim Couch, and then Kelly Holcomb took over and threw for four hundred in the snow in Pittsburgh. He seems to get no credit for that one. Uh, but to finish up with the greatest of all time, uh, I don't know. I mean, I expect huge things from this team, from this offense. I expect complimentary football, not turn the ball over. Uh, yeah, I expect a huge MVP-like year from Brady, to be honest with you. I mean, he has everything there. Uh, they've added some weapons, added the uh, offensive lineman from Indianapolis, the Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coach, had a lot of familiarity with, played all five offensive line positions, swing tackle, huge shining in my opinion. Uh, just adding depth to the offensive line. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Tom freaking Brady. And shout-out <laughs> to the Bucks social media team. I wanted to run through a damn wall when they played that this morning. <laughs> and I was like, which is your favorite ring, the next one? Hell, yes, let's go get one. I was uh, – as a fan of the sport, I think it's just awesome. And as, you know, my dad's son and his career in this twilight is uh, pretty damn exciting to be doing it with Tom Brady. Yeah, I can't imagine – uh, as the as the pseudo adopted daughter to Bruce, I I feel a, a sense of of pride just watching the whole thing shake down. And uh, as I said on social media, you know, I chose not to out all the negative Bucks fans, but let me just tell you, they There's are there, <laughs> they are waiting, and just be careful because I I had them all ready to rock, but I I said I got softened by all this coronavirus stuff. Nah, we like Petty Page, man. Let yeah. it fly. It, look, yeah. it's coming out of me soon. I had a couple. Yeah. <laughs> on there this morning and I was like all right this uh yeah I, I, how, who could be upset by this I, if you're a Bucks fan people could be upset by anything you know this true. that's the I world mean, we live like, in now save, save me the what, what does it do to our future you ain't made the playoffs in 13 years you've got six six playoff wins and one Super Bowl in your history and you just signed the greatest quarterback of all time with a Jamie, loaded is, team Jamie please is 2020 not the future I'm sorry did they already <laughs> play the season and I forgot about it 
I mean, oh. if they did, I feel like I feel like I missed out on something. No. I, I keep seeing this like we, we should have drafted a quarterback and sucked with a rookie quarterback and not signed Tom Brady. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I'm sorry. Are they legally prohibited from drafting a quarterback in it though? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I don't remember seeing them giving, giving away first round picks in this deal. So, I mean, I don't know. That's odd to me. The biggest takeaway for me was uh, the structure of Brady's contract in the sense that he's already thinking three years down the road, making sure that he cannot be franchise tagged after the second year of that deal. Uh, I don't know if he'll still be playing then, but I love the fact that he thinks he might be and is thinking about that in this deal right now. I think it's worth pointing out too, Jamie, to your point, is everybody thought all along they were going to have to franchise Jameis to keep him, which would have been $2 million more than they're paying Tom Brady. Brady's Rivers Breeze took $25 million team-friendly deals, to be honest with you. I mean, you got a bunch of guys making more than that now. So the, for the fact that you signed Tom Brady for two years at $25 million, and yeah, it could end up being like $9 million more in incentives, that'd be the greatest $9 million you ever spent if he hits all those damn those, yeah. those numbers. But that's phenomenal. Compared to a one-year franchise tag for Jameis, I mean, that's, to me, that's just a steal. Let me, let me just say this. To You're also be paying Jared Goff. Yeah, you show. Yeah, you could be paying Jared Goff thirty-three and a half million dollars. Thank you very much. Uh, let me just say this to Bucks fans because this, if I if I've seen anything negative, right, it, it's kind of been a, a similar theme to what Jake talked about, right? Which is should be thinking about the future. Why are we t- taking a quarterback first and foremost? You talk about the greatest of all time, so don't disrespect him by saying some old quarterback. Okay, two, please do not bring up last season, like. Please do not bring up last season as a testament to why you can't imagine why they would bring them in. Jamie, what was it? The second receiver on the team had 29 total catches. Yep. Right? Philip Dorsett. Correct? Okay. Philip Dorsett. I rest my case. Okay. Just please shut your mouth. I like, I cannot deal with the fact that you can justify wanting to have Jameis Winston there to throw 30 picks after watching him throw 30 picks is mind numbing. It is mind numbing to me as a fan of football. But just be thankful. Can you just be thankful? You just got the greatest of all time to leave Boston. Just enjoy the moment of watching Boston fans just absolutely lose their goddamn minds. Okay? And Saints fans, for that matter. There's a bunch yes. of salty-ass Saints fans out yes, there. Yes, there are. Right yes, there are. Look, just you got a two- or three-year window to make a run, to get to six playoff wins and maybe another Super Bowl, to double your franchise's career total to change the culture of this. I wanted to run through a freaking wall this morning when I read Brady's post. Yeah. It was phenomenal. It's like, dude, you are the greatest of all time. Look at the accolades. And he's like, it's not what you've done last year, the year before. I'm going to go earn my teammates' respect, their trust, by working my ass off. It's not what I'm going to say. It's what I'm going to do. I was like, I got freaking goosebumps. I was fired up. And then I saw the damn social media thing that the Bucks put out and was just like, let's go. We're all self-quarantined. We don't even know when the hell the season's going to start and when they can all report and when this awesome press conference is going to be. But, damn, I'm ready for all of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm ready for all of it. I'm ready for all of it, Jamie. I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even – like, it, the whole day was like a, a surreal experience. Like, it just – it felt surreal to watch it all break down, to watch, like, like Jake already said, hat tip to the Buccaneers social media the video you guys put out, I think, made everybody lose their damn minds, not only Buccaneers fans, but, but just everybody in general. And just from a, from a big picture, guys, because I know we're looking at it right now, right ahead of us, that this is obviously has a huge impact for, for, for Bruce, for Tom, for this team. But 
big picture, this is the greatest football, one of the greatest football players, the greatest quarterback of all time, leaving the franchise he was with his whole career. So how do you think this is going to be viewed later on? Because this is, this is such a, just from the perspective of he didn't leave New England and go to Chicago or New England and go to New York. Like he left New England and he went to Tampa traditionally a market where nobody really nobody's paying attention guys so this is that's why this feels like a bigger deal and that's why I've tried to explain to Buccaneers fans and I'm glad some of them realize it you don't get this without Bruce like this doesn't happen without Bruce without Jason without ownership believing in them right that that all plays a part but the fact that he left Boston to go to Tampa is is it's huge, Jake. It's huge. Yeah, I don't think it could be understated. I mean, I think you're going to look at – and it's going to go back to this, in my opinion. Brady, Belichick, Belichick, Brady. Where Was it them together? Yes, I think it was them together. They were pretty damn dynamic together. They built a phenomenal thing. They bet a bunch of people that took all these deals. But which one was it really? Bill wants to prove – there's no panic going on apparently in Boston. And Bill wants to prove they're going to go back to the playoffs. And Tom wants to go, put it on his shoulders – at 42, 43 years old by the season starts and have a phenomenal year, which no 43-year-old's ever done, and make another run with a different team and a different coach and a different franchise. And a place like Tampa makes it that much more special, even though they're loaded. We, Jamie talked about the other day. This team is primed and loaded and will get better between now and the season starting. But to me, it's all about those two being apart and which one was it. And to me, it's interesting because we don't use this phrase a lot in the NFL world, but we use it in other places, not a non-traditional market. And that doesn't really usually apply in football, but that's what Tampa is. And that's the point that Paige was trying to make here. This is not a, you know, you're not going to the Bears, you're not going to the Giants, you're not going to, you know, a team like that. You're going to a team that I believe, since they've come into the league, has the lowest winning percentage of any team in the NFL since, they, since they've been part of the league. So there's this big picture aspect of, yes, I mean, they had that Super Bowl run, but for the most part, there's been way more down in this franchise than up. And you started to see things turn around late in the season last year. Now you have this big splash, which brings me to my second point. And I know I've, I've said this a lot about Miami, but I said it about Tampa too, about in the middle of the season, because if you remember, we discussed on this podcast, some fans being upset they were starting to win games because they really wanted, uh, at the time, Tua. Uh, to be the quarterback there. And we discussed the point of building a winning culture and building a culture around a team and just simply not having a losing culture is incredibly important. So I will ask the question I asked, whatever it was, three, four, five months ago now, are you happier with the way you ended the season and getting somebody like Tom Brady, which never would have happened if you went two and 14 or three and 13, or would you rather have Tua? What was, what was better for your franchise? And so we, I think sometimes we get so obsessed in the sports world now because prospects are hot everywhere in the NFL and baseball and hockey, basketball, prospects and college players. They're the commodity. They're the unknown. We all want to be those scouts. We're all excited to see what young players can come up. The baseball effect has, has permeated these other sports. And we forget that proven commodities still matter. And, and we continue to forget that proven commodities matter humans matter and dealing with a culture in the locker room matters. We're not dealing with robots. This is not a Madden simulation. You're dealing with human beings. And now we're going to locker room with a little bit of, they already had a little bit of confidence. Another conference is going to go through the roof. And I bet you Tom Brady could teach some of these young guys on offense thing or two. 
And maybe you see extra motivation from guys that already have the raw talent, and then the sky's the limit. I mean, to me, you take Tom Brady, Tom Moore, Clyde Christensen, Byron Leftwich, and B.A., and you put them in a room, and you say, okay, we have five months to put this offense together. Really, two or three to put it together if we got to teach it to everybody else. But the collaboration of what you've done in the past, what you like to do, Tom, here's what we do, here's what we call it. I mean, nobody watches more film than Tom Brady, right? We've, we've all talked about that. Yep. I talked about how much better they're going to be just because of the line of scrimmage checks. They're going to run the ball better because he's going to run it into a six- and seven-man box when somebody's trying to – because he's, he's already caught you in what you're trying to do defensively. Um, I'll take the known quantity on Tom Brady and B.A. any day of the week. But to me, Levante David said it best this morning. We, we've been good, but we haven't been able to get over the hump. They all instantly think because they have Tom Brady – they're going to be over the hump. He's going to put them there. He's going to teach them how to do it. All the, you can see it in all the guys that, that, that talked about it today. And Levante Great hit the point. nail on the head. And he was, he was like, no, that's what we needed. And this is what we needed. We can't be more excited. We all get to play with the GOAT. I mean, it's, uh, that alone brings more winning culture that B.A. brought last year. And to Jamie's point, all the fans think they were 7-9. and nine. They all think this should have been 10 or 11 wins, right? And now you go, okay, we're going to take those 30 – uh, interceptions away. We're going to take a bunch of fumbles away. We're going to be in a better play. We're going to be better at the line of scrimmage. The defense is going to be better a year later. And Tom Brady's the one pulling the trigger. I don't, I don't know how you can't be overly excited about the whole thing. Yeah. And look, I mean, the, the coaching staff is pretty accomplished, but how many rings are the players in the locker room wearing? How many rings are there in that locker room? So that, that's the one thing that you can't teach. You can't teach experience in those moments. And the, the leader of their team, the quite frankly, the most important player they could have on their roster, will walk into what I expect to be a playoff, at least one if not multiple playoff games for the Buccaneers this year, with no fear, no worry. And he is going to be able to impart the wisdom of, okay, here is what to expect walking into a playoff game, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road, no matter where, whether it's in London, no matter where it is. Uh, you know, empty stadium, whatever it is, Tom Brady is going to be able to walk in and say, okay, here is – how this works, and not a damn person in the locker room is going to tell him otherwise because he's got more rings than fingers on one hand. And so more they're rings going to than go, everybody in the locker room combined. Exactly. What is he saying? So I'm, I'm really excited to see that. I'm also excited. It's, it's, it's a sub-under-the-ground storyline, uh, but Tom Brady's existence in Tampa Bay is going to be a big boost for the assistant coaches there. Yeah. I think it's oh, yeah. really going to put, put a rocket on Byron Leftwich in particular. Uh, maybe as soon as next season, uh, becoming a head coach. But I think it's going to be uh, – I, I, we could say what we want about him. This is not talking about coaching styles. But in a lot of the same way that Adam Gase's stock was raised incredibly by coaching Peyton Manning in Denver, we could see the very same thing with Byron Leftwich, who's already stocks on the rise as a really, one of the, the hot new coordinators. I think this is only going to shoot him to the moon. I would, I would not be surprised if he's a head coach somewhere this time next year. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I think the one other thing I want to point out is Tom Brady – gets to go play for a head coach that has now put no risk at no biscuit on the building. They blitz more than anybody. They're bringing it on defense. They're going to take their shots. And he's never really gotten to play like that. Yeah. It's all going to be on him. Yeah. Tom, what plays do you want to run? What do you like? Here's how we want to do it. But we're going to take our shots. We ain't, we're not trying to go down and kick a field goal and tie this thing. Let's go score a damn touchdown and win. He hasn't really had that kind of like, hey, no, hell no, 12. Get, get back out there and go win this son of a bitch. It's on you. I think he's going to eat that up. I'm agree. expecting to see the best Tom Brady we've seen in a long time. One, to, to Jake's point, I think we could see the, the best version of Tom because of that. 
right? And, and I, I truly believe that. One, because I believe that Bruce has gotten the best out of every quarterback that he's ever coached, i.e. go look at what Carson Palmer was before and after he was with Bruce Arians. If you want to just go, okay, he's always had talented guys. All right, go look at, go look at what Carson Palmer was, i.e. Jay Cutler before. He was literally the same type of – had the same attitude issues. Everybody, he had a horrible reputation. And now look at what Carson Palmer was able to do. Had an MVPS season here in Arizona. Was able to win 10 games multiple times. Go to an NFC championship game. And to Jamie's point about proven commodities, I can assure you with 110% that no quarterback that comes out of this draft is going to be better than Tom Brady. Okay, so I don't care. I don't care what you think any of those quarterbacks are going to be. I can assure you not a single chance in hell that any of those dudes are going to be half of what Tom Brady is. So I don't want to hear about unproven commodities or whatever. That's fine in certain situations when you're talking about regular Joes. This ain't no regular Joe. This is the greatest quarterback of all time. So I don't want to hear about it. But, Jamie, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about, though. People fantasize about what could be. I can assure you there is no what could be that's better than Tom Brady. It's not happening. I was fantasizing about what could be, and it happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. look, Thank you. There, there's two points I want to make off that. One, I think you look at what happened with the Chargers here, where they are in the prime position that we think they're going to take a quarterback, probably Herbert, with that top five pick. Yep. Well, they were going after Tom Brady pretty heavily too because their mind was, if we can get Tom Brady, that is the path we go, and the rookie was our fallback option. Yep. That's the way it should have been for anybody 100%. involved, by the way. Uh, and two, a lot of oh, usually come playoff time about how Tom Brady motivates himself and creating this chip on his shoulder. And a lot of it have a lot of times it's been manufactured because the Patriots have been so good or so dominant that we're really just kind of laughing at the stuff that's motivated. What more motivation could Tom for himself this year? Because he's not with Belichick. He's not with the Patriots. He's not with quote unquote, his guys. Everything he does from now on is going to be looked at as if he fails, Oh, you are a product of the system. Or if he succeeds, he will prove every last hater wrong. That is a massive chip that, by the way, does not need to be manufactured. That is a very real chip on his shoulder, and it will be something he thinks about literally his entire run in Tampa Bay. That's a great point, and there's nobody on the planet that's more suited for that or that's, that's more willing to take on that challenge than Tom Brady. Adds yeah, just another phenomenal point of why I think we're going to see the best version of him. Yeah, Jamie, that's a, a great point. I'm not, I'm not going to be making fun of him on Sunday Night Football anymore where he's sitting there talking about nobody believes in us because this is a totally different scenario, right? Like, I, I remember him on Sunday, like, two seasons ago when they won the Super Bowl saying, nobody believes in us. And I'm going, Tom, Tom, no. Everybody believes in you, bro. Nobody doesn't believe in you. But now we're just all rooting against you. We all yeah, believe we're in just, you. We're yeah, just all we all believe. Yeah, now now I'm rooting for you. This is going to be a whole weird scenario that's that's come to fruition. But uh, yeah, I I'm so excited for for Bruce for everybody involved. This is an awesome awesome time to be a Bucks fan, man. I'm so excited for that market, and I hope you guys appreciate how awesome this is because this is. Against all odds, like I, if you would have told me that the Buccaneers were going to get Tom Brady midway point of this season, I would have told you you're out of your gosh darn mind. And I would have had a bunch of expletives in between. So I think you, you should just know that this is 
this is unbelievable. It's unprecedented. It's a huge deal. And the fact that you're going to get Bruce, an offensive-minded coach, one of the best of all time in what he does to coach Tom, it's, it, it's going to be it's going to be an awesome time. So I can't wait for football season to get here. Uh, we have plenty of other, other moves that there were other things that happened in the NFL, right? There were other things. Uh, this seems, this overshadowed everything, but there were other things that did happen. Uh, specifically, a couple of the guys we talked about on Wednesday ended up signing deals pretty quickly after we talked about it. So one happened today on Friday, one happened on Thursday. Uh, let's start off with Todd Gurley. So Todd Gurley goes to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, signs a deal in Atlanta. Um, listen, they, they cut Devontae Freeman, so this was a position of need for them. Jamie, I'll start with you. Do you think in that offense, depending on, I mean, obviously the medicals are, we know that he's got his injury issues, but let's say you get, you know, 75% of Todd Gurley, what's that going to look like for Atlanta this upcoming year? Look, Gurley's limitations are his left knee. Uh, I thought in terms of fit, that was probably the best fit for him because it's his best opportunity at getting steady carries when healthy. Uh, because, look, they, with the guys they have left there with Brian Hill and Ito Smith and Quandre Allison, like there's nobody there that can touch Todd Gurley's talent. The issue is going to be how many snaps per game, how many carries per game do the Falcons feel comfortable giving Todd Gurley? And I guess we're not going to know that answer. Do they – it's a one-year deal. Do they try to run him into the ground? Do they see, well, let's see what the absolute best we can get out of him, and we're going to give him 20 touches a game, and if he breaks down in week 10, he breaks down in week 10, and we move on. Uh, are they going to try to limit his carries? I, I don't know. Uh, but in terms of the best chance for him to get steady carries, that was a better scenario than him going to going to Miami or going to some of these other places that we talked about where I just – I didn't either – either teams already had guys in that similar role or he was going to split carries somewhere else. So – Probably not going to be on any of my fantasy teams. Uh, I just don't trust what his workload is going to be. Uh, but in terms of going to an offense that has a lot of talented players still on it, going to a team in an area of the country he's very familiar with, uh, I, I thought it was a good fit for him. But I, I just am still worried. I mean, look, the Rams are taking like a $20-plus million cap hit to get rid of him for free. And I understand that you, we could talk about the Rams mismanaging the roster and all that other stuff. But the team that knows more about him than – anybody else is saying we would rather take a cap hit as we're still trying to win right now of that expense rather than having you on the team and guaranteeing you that money. That should yeah. tell you all you need to know. 34, 34.5 million to 45 million guaranteed the Rams still have to pay him and they cut him yeah. right now because they were about to guarantee another 10. Yeah. So you're exactly right. The team that knows the most about him. Look, if Todd Gurley can get a couple more decent years, we can put a pretty awesome career together because he's been spectacular. But this knee is going to limit that. I mean, there's concerns whether or not he was going to pass the physical. To me, in this offense, I love the fact that he's in Atlanta for him. He went to school at Georgia. I think that's going to be comfortable. I think the fan base is going to love him there. I think that's going to be awesome. They need more running back help because I don't think – even though they want to run him in the ground and they're playing okay through week 10, he's not going to have anything left for the stretch. They got to get somebody else. Uh, the, the question to me is there's rumors of Julio Jones getting traded. Yes. If that happens, and now it's Todd Gurley and Calvin Ridley with Matt Ryan, that offense ain't scaring anybody. I mean, that offensive line last year was not very good. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the fit is okay, but Dirk Cutter throws it a lot. He doesn't run it a lot. But you can throw it to Todd Gurley. That's fine. But they got to have somebody else, in my opinion. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think they can go in with him right now and him make it 16 games and be a steady workhorse for them. I just don't think that knee is ever going to allow that again. 
Yeah, I can't the, – the Julio Jones stuff is really interesting, right? Because if he gets traded, I think this team – I don't particularly think this team is going to be very good anyways. Uh, but I think you take away Julio Jones and this team, this is one of the, the hot candidates for us to watch from a head coaching perspective that I think we're going to be talking about potentially at Thanksgiving. I thought, they, I thought that Dan Quinn might lose his job this past year, but I, I think that if they get – if they're at a losing point by Thanksgiving, I think this is going to be one of those, those jobs we're talking about looking them at that making a move. And I get it from, listen, they needed a running back. I just, like Jamie, to your point, the fact that we, we saw the LA Rams, they've totally mismanaged the cap. And that's a whole other situation that we want to talk about on when we, when we break down their, their roster again, post-free agency. But they know the most about Todd Gurley and they didn't want to keep him in-house. So that should, that should tell you everything you need to know. I just, I, I like Todd Gurley. I've interviewed him. He's a good dude. I, I wish he didn't have the injury because man, when he was at his best, he was so fun to watch. Right. I, I mean, he really was so, so fun to watch, but I just don't think with that injury, like Jake, we've talked about bone on bone. I don't think we're ever going to see that version of Todd Gurley again. There's no, I mean, really it's, uh, I hate it for the kid. Because he's a I great know, he's, he's a 25 good, years old. It feels he's like young. he's been in the league a decade I know, that's, that's already. Jamie, break this, break this down for me, Jamie. So you got this, this Falcons offense right now on paper. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and now you got Ty Gurley. Ten of the 11 starters on offense were first-round picks. I know, on, that's on, pay, on paper, that sounds pretty good. But their offense hasn't really been the issue. The offense has been the problem. They've been, yeah. they've been, when Matt Ryan's healthy, they have put up numbers. They just can't stop anybody. And they're not, I mean, I know that what they bring in Fowler or is that, was that? Not Fowler Jr. Yeah. yeah. So right. they bring in Fowler, who's again, better than what they were getting from Vic Beasley. But they lost but Claiborne, just, the middle linebacker. They lost. Yeah. Big, I mean, that's just, just, just swapping guys out. But that defense is still bad. I mean, the, the defense has been bad for a while. The lost offense Trufant. clicks. Yeah. Lost you I mean, the offense clicks when healthy and they have. When Matt Ryan, I, their offense struggled when Matt Ryan was trying to c- come back from that ankle injury, but they've been putting up numbers because Calvin Ridley took a nice step forward last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that offense can still put up numbers, but you're going to be in a situation where if they don't score 30, they're not winning. And I just think you're trying to do that too much. Oh, and by the way, you're in a division now with two really, really good offenses. Like Tampa Bay and New Orleans are having no trouble keeping up with Atlanta's offense. They are better offenses than Atlanta has. Yeah. So I just I just think they're in a weird spot again where I'm not sure they're really that much – they're any better – I mean, I guess maybe incrementally, but the way that they're this much better, the Bucks got that much better. Panthers got a lot worse. But, like, so what, you're going to win seven games and be third place in the division? That's kind of where I see them being. I think it was a lot of it was a splash. Todd Gurley in Atlanta yeah. is a big deal. Georgia guys, one splash. Year. Uh, to yeah. me, I said it last year when they signed Julio. I'd trade him. I think you can get a lot back for him. I yeah. mean, you now have – Houston screwing up DeAndre Hopkins trade and what Buffalo gave Minnesota for Stephon Diggs. Somewhere in between, you can get a lot back for Julio Jones. Yeah. Now you're losing your franchise, but they're also strapped against the cap and they got nothing on that defense. True font was huge. Losing him was enormous. Uh, I think it's pretty sure it's Claiborne went to Atlanta, really solid middle linebacker. I mean, graded out 82 plus percent on tackles the last like three years or whatever for pro football focus. Really solid player. I mean, they've lost more pieces off that defense. The offensive line has all those first-round picks, but they haven't been that good. So, yeah. I don't know. I think they need a lot of help. But it would, I said then, that to me, it still makes a lot of sense to trade Julio Jones now. The issue with that is going to be the contract structure, yeah. um, where they can do it, and they, but they would have to do a lot like what would happen with, um, with the Rams or something, where you're basically trading him and – 
Jacksonville. Trading and taking a huge dead cap hit. Because uh, if they traded him this year, they would actually have a $32.5 million of dead money oh, on that deal. Well, they would not, lose another $12 million. And then that rumor is, should be dead and yeah. out the window because there's no way in hell that's happening. And then next year, it'd be $23.3 million of dead yeah, cap, which is nope. still 200000 over. And then even year three of that deal, you're only saving about $4 million on the cap. So, like, it, nope, it's, it's if happening. you make the deal, you are saying we're not trying to win right now. We're going to take the dead cap hit and just deal with that because we're going to get assets that are going to help us later. But in terms of if they're trying to do that to get pieces that are going to help them in the short term, I can't see just because that contract's so new. I just think at this point you're looking – again, I'm looking up some of the information right now. I think at this point you're starting to – because you've got Matt Ryan for three more years, but really – or four more years, but really you can start to get out of it after two like that's when you start to think about things two, three years down the road. I think they're going to try to at least feign competitiveness in 2020 and Matt 2021. Matt Ryan's quarterback. But, you got to go try to win games, whether you're defense yeah. or not. And you keep Julio, and that's the biggest part that you have to do that. Yeah. So it makes I sense. still so see yeah, any I think flexibility. three years down the road, if they're not winning, it's time to move on and blow this thing up again. Yeah, yeah. and Jamie, you brought up the best point. Dan Quinn, that's why I think Dan Quinn's going to be on the hot seat is because the offense is never the issue here. And Dan Quinn's a defensive guy, came from Seattle, Legion of Boom, all this stuff, and was, has never really been able to culturally bring that defense there. And that's been their big issue. That's been their big problem. So I, I don't think they're going to have any problems with scoring. Again, I just think they're not going to stop anybody. And that's going to be their issue yet again. All right, Melvin again, Gordon. As good as they are at scoring, they're the third best offense in the division. Yeah, it's that's the other. There might be a top 10 offense in the league, but they're third of the division. That's, uh, that's the other issue. You got Drew Brees and Tom Brady in your division. Good luck with that. Uh, Melvin Gordon goes to Denver, two-year deal. We talked about this on Wednesday's podcast. Jake mentioned it as one of the landing spots that could potentially make sense. It's a two-year, $16 million deal for Melvin Gordon. Melvin, brother, I wish you would have taken your deal when it was offered to you because good night, you lost a lot of cash. I hope this is a learning lesson for all the running backs out there. When you get offered deals, man, whoo. Take them. Lay when you get offered to move the receiver, do it. Yeah, good night. Uh, it is uh, losing some cash. But two years, $16 million deal. I think let's talk about the initial impact here. But then I also want to talk about what this means potentially for Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman because I think all of a sudden it's a, it's a really crowded backfield there. So, Jamie, your initial reaction to, to Melvin Gordon because we all obviously like Melvin Gordon a lot. Very talented dude. Yeah. Yeah, it adds to another very solid offseason the Denver Broncos have had. Uh, as that whole division uh, is loading up, it's really exciting to see what, what everybody's doing. Uh, I was a, it, it's weird. I was a little surprised to see a team with a back as good as Lindsey. Uh, obviously, Gordon is a better running back. Gordon is one of the best running backs in football. But I was a little surprised to see a team that already had a pretty decent running back one making this move. But we're moving toward a league where you need multiple guys now. And not necessarily multiple guys that just, you know, one is your – First and second down back. The other one is your pass blocking, pass catching third down. Legitimately like two guys. Uh, and Melvin Gordon can play any single down. Philip Lindsay's had an amazing couple of years in, in the league so far. They want to do two things very simply. And they're going to say they want to run the ball and play defense. Oh, that's that is amazing. what Denver wants to do. That's how oh. they'll be successful this year in an extremely competitive, competitive division and conference. Uh, I like the move for them. He makes them better. Uh, I Philip Lindsay could be on the move. I think Royce Freeman might be, especially on a he's on a really I mean, he's on the thirty of a rookie deal. Uh, he's not his cap hit is very low, so he could be on the move. Uh, I wrote about that for SI a couple for fantasy purposes where I'd like to see him go. 
Uh, you know, Kansas City, Detroit, Philadelphia could be interesting. I think the Giants to back up Saquon could be very interesting as well. Uh, he, he could be a fit somewhere. Denver can maybe get a, you know, a day, a day three pick for him uh, and re- even replace him with a young guy if they want or use that position elsewhere. But uh, it, it's exciting because we have to remember that like, Melvin Gordon was legitimately like a top half of the first round fantasy draft pick yeah. the last couple of years when he was playing a full season. And he's going to be in first round conversation again this year with this move to Denver. Absolutely. I like it. Look, bottom line, they got better. Philip Lindsay, I've had injury concerns for all three years. He's been really good for, for two years. I have injury concerns coming in this year. He plays so much bigger than he is, and sooner or later that's going to just beat the hell out of him. It's going to hurt. Royce Freeman's 230 pounds. It's a great combination of them. I've said for a couple of years now, that Royce, if Royce Freeman was their feature guy, he'd be really, really solid. He'd be a damn good player. But Melvin Gordon's better than both. He makes them, he makes them better. It's a running back heavy draft. I could see them moving both and getting more capital. And riding this out, drafting a rookie, I think they maybe could get a third-round pick for Lindsey. Uh, you know, Royce Freeman's probably, you know, probably fourth or fifth-round guy. But I, you talked about some great landing spots there. He's just very similar to Saquon. People forget he played Oregon in that offense. Mm-hmm. Catches the ball great out of the backfield for 230-pound guy. Tough as nails. I, my thing with Lindsey is I just, I've, I've been worried about him. The way that he plays, as fast as he is, as yeah. hard-nosed he is, he's going to get hurt sooner or later. And to me, I think they can move on from both and keep loading up on this capital. Say they get a third and a fourth or a third and a fifth. Now you got a bunch of stuff you could package and move back up in a really good receiver draft. They could, they could do some really interesting things. But you know that defense is going to be solid as hell with Vic. And Melvin Gordon made them better, period. And it was a pretty cheap deal. I mean, look, he was wanting – he yeah. turned down 10 last year reportedly from the Chargers. He was wanting that, you know, 10 to 12 now this year. And he ends up with eight, 13 and a half over two years guaranteed. I think he's hoping he plays really good again, and then maybe he supplants himself there as, as a stud that they're going to resign and give another two- or three-year deal on top of that instead of getting the four- or five-year deal he turned down last year. Bottom line, he cost himself some money, but the Broncos got better. I like the signing. Yeah, it's a good signing for, good signing for the Broncos, and uh, I'm just triggered by hearing that Vic wants to run the ball well and play defense because I wish you know somebody in Chicago would just learn that that's what we need to do as well. Nick Foles, um, baby. Yeah, Jamie's going to get himself kicked off this podcast sooner rather than hey, – let's, let's talk about this for a second, though, guys. We just talked – the Falcons are playing Todd Gurley $6 million. They probably could have got him for three. They're probably. paying him six. Melvin Gordon for eight? I mean, if it, I think Atlanta should have gone that route. Yeah. Out, outbid. I mean, apparently well, you wanted to stay in the division. Apparently there was another team that was offering more money. Yeah. They might have. It sounds great. I don't know that that's accurate, but to me, that makes a lot more sense for Atlanta, but they're a little bit strapped on the cash. Yeah. I don't know that they listen. It, I think that would have made more sense because I said, and it's not like a personal thing on Todd Gurley. I just don't, if I was running a team, I'm not going to get Todd Gurley period. Like I just, I don't feel comfortable with him and his injury situation and the fact that it cost the Rams so much, like he had to be in a really tough place medically for them to make that move. Cause they are costing themselves a lot of cash to have that guy not in their locker room. I mean, it's, the, it's a bad situation for LA. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off page. By the way, that's another team that's not getting a lot of talk about, but they might be, they can get creative. Cause again, Royce Freeman, it's not, it's like a million dollar cap hit right now. It's very low. I'm not convinced that Malcolm Brown and Dale Henderson and John Kelly, I don't, I don't think they go into the season with that trio as their guys in the backfield. No. Maybe they were able to, I mean, I know they have no, they have very limited draft capital, but 
Uh, I think they would probably get more out of Royce Freeman if they could get him for five or six or seven or something like that than they would for whoever they would take there in year one. Yeah, yeah I love all that. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I think I, I – I don't know if they'll end up with Lindsey. Fre- I think it'll be interesting, Jake, to your point that you thought maybe those guys both could be on the move. Um, I'm rooting for Vic. I think the Broncos, I think what Jamie said earlier, you've seen the Chiefs kind of stay here, and you've seen the whole rest of the division just keep – Joe Marino made a, wrote a really good piece on the Draft Network about how basically the whole AFC West is loading up to chase the Chiefs. Because it's like, listen, we know what this team looks like, and the whole rest of the division's getting better. That division's going to be nasty next year, and I don't know that it's going to be that easy for the old Chiefs next Chiefs year. Chiefs got worse. Division. They lost Wisniewski. When we did the AFC West, one of my key points for the Chiefs was you cannot lose your center. You, you cannot lose Wisniewski in this situation. He went to Pittsburgh. He's excited. He played at Penn State. He's back home. You know, but to me, that, they got worse. And it happens. You win the Super Bowl, you make that run, you're loaded for whatever. They got a little bit of cap space, but not much. And if Chris Jones holds out, you got bigger issues there. But you're right. I mean, this thing, this thing's loading up to be a really interesting division. Yeah, the, yeah everybody's and, getting better. And one thing to keep in mind with the Broncos, too, and trade possibilities, like they might not necessarily move both guys right away. But remember how we all expected Duke Johnson to get traded last year? And all they needed was Lamar Miller to have oh, yeah. an injury in the preseason. So, I mean, that's another one where the first time there's an injury to, our, to a starting running back, Denver's probably going to be on that short list on speed dial. So. Yeah, not a, not a bad call there, James. All right, the, the, another move that happened, this one for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they agreed to a two-year, $12 million deal with Eric Ebron. We talked about that the Indianapolis Colts were likely not going to hold on to both Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. I like this signing a lot for the Steelers and Big Ben. You add a, a, a tight end who – Listen, Eric Ebron had his issues in Detroit, but, man, he played well when he moved to Indianapolis. And I think playing with Ben, this could be, from a fantasy perspective, could be great. Um, And just overall for the Pittsburgh Steelers in general and what Ben likes to do with his tight ends, this could be a huge move for this team. Jake, do you like this deal for the Steelers? I love it. I I love it. Uh, You you already have – Juju, Deontay Johnson came on last year. I expect big things from him. Ebron's a receiver. He's not even really a tight end. Yeah. And they use a tight end, Vance McDonald, who I love, who can't really stay healthy. But now you can move Ebron around. You can almost put him in the slot. You can put him out wide, which means Juju can come in the slot. You can get creative. And I know Randy Fickner very well. I know Ben very well. I can imagine how excited they are about this. You're talking about a matchup nightmare. And Ben can throw it anywhere. He can make every throw. And by all accounts, he's talking about this is the first time I've thrown without pain in years. I'm excited about my arm strength and where I think the season is going to be. I expect a big season from this, from this Pittsburgh offense bouncing back and from Ben in general, but I love this. It was not very expensive and adds a big time weapon. And you got James Washington too. You got some other guys that are there, but to me, they can get really creative with how they use Ebron, put him in motion a ton. Vance McDonald can just have his hand on the ground. Who's a weapon as well. Really good player if he can stay healthy, but he's that road grader when they want to run it. But with Ben back, I expect this to be a lot more of a high flying offense and not this smash mouth thing that they had to go to last year when they couldn't really do anything else. Jalen Samuels now out of the backfield, maybe plays on the slot on the other side. you got a bunch of pieces you can move around with James Conner healthy, and this offensive line got better. We just said Wisniewski might not even start. Yeah. Right? I mean, he might, he might back up Pouncey, who can't stay healthy, play both, both guard positions. I mean, they got better. And I expect big things from this offense. I love this line. 
Yeah, I like it too. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a massive red zone threat, which I think is what his what he's best suited for. Uh, I wrote about him today, and I really like that. You know, he could be a you know a sixty catch, seven hundred yard, six touchdown guy in Pittsburgh very easily. Uh, he could fill uh, the type of role when they've had both like Jesse James and Vance McDonald on the field at the same time. You can move him in the slot. You can move him in different spots in the red zone. Uh, he's going to be a, he's going to be a great fit there. It's exactly what they needed. They they like Vance McDonald, but he's not, again, as Jake says, not a the prototypical pass-catching tight end. And I think everyone was kind of hoping last season in the preseason they were just going to suddenly turn him into that. And from the get-go, they're like, no. Like, we're not forcing the ball to Vance McDonald. Like, we're gonna, he'll fit in the offense. Like he's always fit in our offense. So having this other weapon for Ben, you know, bringing in Wisniewski, maybe possibly bringing in Jameis. Uh, I mean, this could be a low – I mean, they may not draw a lot of headlines, but it could be a really strong offseason for Pittsburgh with Very the biggest thing being – Yeah. And the biggest thing is what Jake just mentioned is Ben talking about throwing pain-free. That's the key to their season. Yeah. Because they're yeah. a Super Bowl very, very, You're exactly right. This defense played really good down the stretch last yes. year. They were a turnover machine. They need their superstar quarterback. If Ben's back healthy, he's top six in the league still. Oh, yeah. Even 100%. His and if this arm is live, more live than it's been – for the last three or four, you might see a better version of him than you've seen in a while. And now you've got weapons, you've got same same coordinator, you got same everything else going on. I expect big things from them. It's very Steeler-esque to be under the radar, make good, solid moves, Kevin Colbert, and give Ben weapons. And if Ben's healthy, man, I don't, I don't care if their defense is half of what they were playing to last year. They're going to have a chance. Yeah, that team was in a playoff position with the third-string quarterback. Like we were talking about Mike Tomlin in the coach of the year conversation because they were, especially when you looked at the difference between what Cleveland had on, that's what I'm saying, how they started and then what Cleveland had on paper and how they were performing. And you looked across the division and you're going, Juju's hurt. James Connors hurt. They're on their second string, then third string. And they're going, how the hell is this team winning football games? I mean, it was, it was that, that team with Ben back, instantaneous Super Bowl contender. And they're going to fly under the radar because that's just how it's going to be this year because everyone's going to kind of look at them and go, yeah, okay, let's see yeah, it. Everybody's going to be on that Lamar Jackson hype. But oh, they're, yeah. they're fine being right there saying, okay, don't talk about us. That, that, yeah. we're, fine. we're fine with that. All right. Let's, uh, the two, we're going to talk about two defensive players here now, right? So two, two guys leaving. Two guys I'm happy are leaving the NFC North. I am very happy both of these guys are out of the NFC North, but Darius Slay and Everson Griffin. Uh, let's start with the Darius Slay trade because this was talked about for, for a little while, uh, that this could be a potential move that they made. Um, and, and the trade from the Philadelphia side, right? Because they trade him to Philly, and guys, we talked about it all last year. Their secondary, their defense, but their secondary was bad. I mean, legendary bad last year so let's talk about from Philadelphia's perspective first and foremost the trade to lock up now Darius Slay three years 50 million dollars they put an extension on him what does that mean for this team uh moving forward Jake because it was obviously a a position of need Amari Cooper stayed in the division Terry McLaurin looks like he's going to be a star yep okay you go to the Giants they got really good receivers you got a top five elite cover corner that plays man-to-man that doesn't need help Patrick Peterson, there's only a couple yeah. of guys in the league that play like this, right? And Darius Slay gets no credit because he's been in Detroit the whole time. He's a superstar. He's an elite man-to-man cover corner that I think is going to pay huge dividends for them right away. Now, Detroit, for a lot less money, signed Trufant. 
So it made sense. I mean, I think this was another trade that we go, okay, this made sense for both teams. Then you look at all the underlying crap that's going on, him coming out, calling out Patricia and all this kind of stuff. And whatever. Yeah, some of these guys – and apparently there was definitely something going on there. And I'm not saying he was not saying this is accurate, but, like, some of these guys need to stop. Like, David Johnson, you left Arizona. Very classy. They had a great send-off for you. And then you had this stupid tweet today of, like, when you mow the grass, you see the snakes. Come, Come on, man. Like, just stop. Not everybody that leaves and goes to another team has to say something stupid about the team they just left. You had a hell of a run there. They gave you a bunch of money. You shouldn't have a damn thing bad to say about Arizona if you're David Johnson. And you just ended up in a better situation. Same thing here. Like, you you go ahead and talk about it. He said he called you out personally in your manhood and the stuff that was said. I have no problem with him really saying it. But we've all talked about this, man. None of us think Patricia has inspired that much confidence. I don't, I don't haven't liked what he's done as a head coach so far. It hasn't been that impressive. But the trade itself on paper for football – they lost a really good player. They brought a, a really good player in that's not as good, but a really solid player. And I think Philly hit a home run here with their I – don't, I don't know how they could have done better. I mean, if they pull off this Julio Jones trade, which we just talked about, is impossible. It's not going to happen. But for as far as them getting better for a trade, I don't think there's one they could have made that made them better than this. Yeah, it's exactly what they needed. Darius Slay is a really, really good player, one of the most underrated players in football. I heard him talk about a little bit about his PFF rating uh, on Twitter after uh, – I think Tyler Matthew also talked about it. And hashtag watch did. the tape. Watch the tape. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a really, really strong corner. And that's obviously a desperate need for, for the Eagles going into the season. Love the trade. Love getting, again, a player of need. Uh, they didn't give up. Uh, you know, more than you would think would be necessary for him. I get why Detroit Third makes this move. Yeah, like, I, I love that. I get why Detroit makes the move from both of where they are competitive-wise standpoint, from what all the stuff that happened standpoint, from getting too, uh, getting too fun. Uh, but this is a huge upgrade for the Eagles. That, that is a big, big signing for them. And they're, they're not done. The defense isn't fixed just because of that. But that's a big signing for them because they've lost a few guys this offseason just overall as a team. It does fix an issue immediately, though, when you have a Patrick Peterson or a big play slay that can take yeah. your, top, your top guy and follow him all over the place. You can roll coverage and zone everywhere else that you're playing on that defense. It immediately makes you better when you can rush the passer a little bit. Now, they got a bunch of other holes. they got to get some yeah. linebacker help. They need some more you know, help up front. And they need – they lost Malcolm Jenkins. They need some of these young guys that they've drafted to step up. And I expect them to, to throw, probably throw another safety in the mix that's a very multiple guy, McKinney, Delp. But I don't know if they get one of those guys. But – uh, they need some more help on this defense, but this helps immediately just scheme wise. You can just say, okay, hey, you got Mike Evans, you got whoever you're playing, follow him. You know, that Patrick does. There's not a lot of those guys out there. No, there's not. And that's why I think, one, that's why you saw Tyron Matthew kind of have Darius Slay's back, even though they don't play together. It's like, dude, like that, that, whatever that PFF grade good, was, recognizes it was, good. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It's like, just use your eyes. Like, watch the 82nd watch, ranked corner or something. Come on now. I mean, that's like, like as, as Bruce said at the combine, you can fall in love with a four, a four, four, and then learn that when they're playing a game, they run a four, six. And then you see them run a four, six at the combine, and they actually run a four, four when they're on the tape. Like, it's just watch the tape and learn what you're talking about because it's, I, I've seen the players get really worked up. But to the Darius Slay kind of back and forth that happened with Matt Patricia, I know I've talked about this on the podcast because I have friends that have been inside that locker room. They, that locker room was split when they made the decision to fire Jim Caldwell, who went nine and seven back-to-back years, and they moved on and went to Matt Patricia. They haven't had a winning season under Matt Patricia now. So that's what, where you saw this kind of 
animosity in the locker room, that a lot of that hap stems back from that decision that was made by, by ownership and, and by GM there to move away from a coach who had two back-to-back winning seasons in, oh, by the way, Detroit who doesn't exactly have a long-standing winning uh, record uh, over time. Never won a Super Bowl. Ne- like, Do they this not? Is, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, it's like one of those things where they, you looked at this and you went, why did you move away from Jim Caldwell? It was a puzzling to, to go get Matt Patricia, who, of course, everybody just assumed was going to turn into Bill Belichick. Well, unfortunately for them, they've learned out that that doesn't always happen, right? And so I think that's why there's been this, this back and forth and why you saw Darius Slay kind of come out and have negative comments about Patricia because I don't think those, a lot of those guys, at least from my understanding, have been very happy with Matt Patricia from the very beginning, which – you split the locker room. That's not not really Patricia's fault. That's from a GM and 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 up above that probably should have probably shouldn't have made that decision when he made it. And and we'll see if Matt Patricia ends up staying in Detroit if they have another losing season here. Because uh, I don't I don't see them winning the division. That's for sure. The other move in the division I wanted to talk about was Everson Griffin, guys. Because now Minnesota on defense, they're going to look much different this year and we talked about it when we looked at their cap situation that they were up against it right and they restructured with with uh Kirk Cousins which we talked about but they were they had to make moves they had to make changes and this is a big change and this defense that we've gone we've come to look at and know and love and watch they lost a lot of pieces Jake and this is a this is not not great for Minnesota because they're gonna they're gonna have to replace a lot on that starting on that starting side of the ball. Yeah, you're talking to Xavier Rhodes, who we all thought they probably should move on from. Yeah, it, it, but he's still a, a solid yeah. player. Yeah, Lin, Linball Joseph and Everson Griffin together on that defensive line. Yeah, that's a ton of production. Everson Griffin went through he went through the issue a couple years ago where he missed some time, took some some time for his mental health, but he came back this year with a captain for them. It was an absolute beast again. Whoever gets him is getting a hell of a player. Uh, Limbaugh Joseph, I talked about, I thought was one of the sneaky signings by the Chargers that adds a huge value to their, their defensive line. You franchise the safety, so you're really solid in the back end. You're really solid in the middle with Barr and Kendricks at linebacker. Sandejo just signed with the Browns, so you lost him as well. They, they lost a bunch of pieces off this defense. and I, don't, I just don't know how you replace starting D-tackle and a starting D-end in Zimmer's defense. Uh, it's really the face of this team. I mean, they, they play a really good defense. They run the ball. Cousins doesn't have to do a ton. Now they've lost digs. Seems to look very, very different than the one that I was driving the bandwagon, driving the train for all year. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I'm even getting on that train next year. Yeah. I just, they've lost so many pieces. They, they might end up trading their safety as well on top of all that, where they, they, they franchise because of the, it just says everything is, I don't know. They're in a, they're not in a they're not in good shape, which we knew. We went over them on on the NFC North show. They were in, in a very bad state of things, and they were going to lose a lot of players, and they did. And losing a lot of guys on that defensive side, and they're going to have to roll back with a, a much better season from from Kirk Cousins in the second half. They're going to need Dalvin Cook to be Dalvin Cook again, uh, to the extent we saw him or Madison to pick up where he left off. Uh, now they don't have Diggs, so like I mean, there's just uh, I'm not super optimistic uh, on that. I think that whole division. Is, is fascinating because I, I think the Bears didn't. Bears are getting a little bit worse. Uh, the Vikings are getting worse. Uh, I think the Packers Green are. Green Bay got think, better. Yeah, Green Bay got better, but they probably overperformed last year. So where do they? Where does that mix out? You know, a healthy Stafford in Detroit. 
is a wild card, but I still don't think they're a team that's going to be, you know, threatening double-digit wins. But just overall, it's got to be – this was the window. Like the last couple of years were the window for Minnesota where they really pushed all their chips in. They still have a chance, but it's going to get a lot harder for them over the next two or three years before things get easier, at least cap-wise. Here's why I don't like it. You now are requiring Kirk Cousins to play – at that level where he was at that five or six weeks where he was MVP, like you got to play 16 games like that. Or you don't he's have not chance. going to. No, I don't think he, I don't think that he, especially without digs. No, it's not happening. Right. Now you still got Rudolph. You got Irv Smith jr. Came on last year. was really good. Thielen's solid. You got Madison, you got Boone, you got, you got cook, but that defense is not going to be this anywhere near the same. They can't be. So now you're, if, if you're not going to be as good on defense and you're not going to be able to run the ball as much because you don't have the weapons on the outside to scare people, your quarterback has to play that much better. And I don't think he does that for 16 games to the point where they can be as good as they were last year. When I thought, I thought they really had a chance last year to make a run. It doesn't fit the identity of the football team either, Jake. That's not no. what Mike, Mike Zimmer wants to run no. the football and play really good defense. So now you have a philosophy change where you're looking at it and you're going – all right, that doesn't really make all that much sense for what the well, head the new coach does coordinator. well. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's that's where I'm looking at it going, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what they're going to be doing. I think it's a – as Jamie pointed out, when we preview that division, that's a division where I look and go, yeah, nine and seven could probably get it done, right? Where I'm not, I'm not so sure that there's going to be a team in that division where we've gotten used to over the past, you know, two years ago where you had Chicago at 12 wins, Minnesota at 10 wins, Green Bay at nine win. Green Bay's on the outside, you know. Like, yeah, but I take I just take back what I just said. I mean, Green Bay just lost Brian Balaga. I was gonna they, say they added uh, another defensive piece, but they haven't added any more weapons yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, I mean, we, and we know they will, but and they lost their left tackle. But so they're that they played, was, like Jamie said they played way over their head. I don't, I don't, I agree with that. Nine and seven. I mean, like Chicago got better on defense from a defense that was better than it was two years ago, which was statistically ridiculous. If they'll just run the damn ball, I don't know how you're going to beat them in that division. Green Bay doesn't play them very well anyway, but Minnesota's a matchup. It's a terrible matchup for them. And as Jamie said, with Stafford healthy, that's a wild card because they got a bunch of pieces of that offense in Detroit. But I don't know. I, I, that's, uh, is, I, we, we play as a Bucks fan. You play the NFC North next year and the AFC West. The AFC West is looking pretty scary. The NFC North is like, right, I'll take that. Pretty winnable. Pretty yeah. winnable when you look across the division. Yeah, because Green Bay, I've, I've been hearing from Green Bay fans because they – they were looking and they were going, we're not getting any of these wide receivers because that was a big deal for them last year. As you're looking at that core and you're going, who the hell is Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to other than Devontae Adams? And you've got guys out there that you, I thought they'd be in on one of these guys. But they still could be in on Robbie Anderson. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. they, they still could make it happen. Um, and it, this draft is loaded. I mean, they're, but they're going to have to draft some rookies. They're going to have to play really well. And one yeah. of those guys that they had, Lazard played okay down the stretch. But Geronimo Allison and Valdez Scantling were both like huge disappointments. Huge I mean, disappointments. Huge disappointment from a fantasy. What are they doing at tight end now? I mean, Jimmy Graham wasn't very good, but he was there. Yeah, they don't um, have it. They have what's what's the kid they drafted? Um, why am I blanking on his name? They drafted somebody last year, uh, but still, even that, it's not. Uh, it's, it's nothing. Not, it's nothing. Or Sternberger. Sexy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's still not a like. Eh. No. No, it's a eh. Is exactly right. Uh, okay, we're gonna end this podcast with a big old eh because I'm tired of hearing about this story, but we have to talk about it because it's the story that will never go away. Uh, and that is the Antonio Brown saga that just continues to be a story that follows everybody because, because frankly, Antonio Brown is still one of the most talented people that would play in the NFL. He is, he is a very, very talented human being, but 
he is a absolute nightmare from a all the things that have happened this off season. Um, it's just, it's been a saga that has never ended. And I've talked about it on previous podcasts where I said it went from being, you're making fun of it to you're going, I feel sorry for the guy, right? Like it, it's no longer funny when you're talking about, you can tell mental health issues and children are involved. And there's, there's just a lot more dynamics to that that are not really funny. And I've called people out on social media about it. Cause I just, I don't think it's funny to make fun of somebody when you can clearly see their tail spinning. Right. But yeah. he is supposedly right. He's supposedly got himself back on track. Right. And wants to play in the NFL big time shocker. Um, and, and wants to come back and, Oh, a huge surprise would prefer to be with Tom Brady. Welcome to the club. What did we all, wouldn't we all like to play with Tom Brady? Pretty sure every receiver or offensive player would like that defensive player for that matter would like to play with for Tom Brady guys. I, I really don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but it is a story. I, I can't imagine that this is going to happen. I can't imagine that, that, they're going to bring AB into the locker room, but is there a scenario in which you guys see this happening? Uh, Jake, I'll let you take it first. Well, first of all, nobody gives a shit what Antonio Brown wants. Period. The, the commissioner has to reinstate him. He has yeah. to go through the process of signing with a team. Yep. Uh, he has to have his team reintact because people on his team left him yep. uh, during this process. Including uh, his agent. Yeah, it, it, huge part of the team and a huge decision for Drew Rosenhaus, who's a damn good agent and loyal as hell to his clients to get to that point was a big freaking deal. Um, so I don't, nobody gives a shit what Antonio Brown wants. Can he still play? Yes. I said two years ago, he lost a step last year. He looked okay when he played. You're now a year removed from that. If you're the bucks and Brady, why the hell you want to bring him into this locker room? I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. I'm not saying I know either way. I don't know either way. I know that he called out the head coach on social media, which didn't go over very well. And the head coach knows him because he coached him for eight years. Um, but we all know that he's talented. To me, it's more like a Tennessee, under the radar, small market. Tannehill's your leader. You, you got your running backs. Like, it's more something like that where you can go help and it's going to be cheap. And you just go work your ass off and try to play. But he's got to follow the process of getting reinstated and then getting back in. Yep. And that hasn't happened. I know, go back to my – nobody cares what you want. <laughs> And Tom Brady said it best in his post this morning. I'm not, I'm going to start. This is all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to prove to my teammates, my coaches, what I'm worth, how hard I work, how good I am is all going to be proven on the field. I'm not going to talk about it. He has to go do that. He has to take the steps to get reinstated and then we'll see. But you burned a lot of damn bridges last year, dude, with your freaking, your, your, it was, you, you caused a lot of chaos, period. And you haven't been reinstated. So nobody gives a shit what you want because you want to play. We all know you want to play again. Yeah. A lot of people would love to see, I'd love to see him healthy and playing. He's a great watch. That doesn't mean you're going to put him on a locker room that we just talked about is really solid and can make an NFL Super Bowl run without you. I don't know why they would want to add to that and then take the chance of the headache. Maybe you, maybe you get injury early on. Maybe he's still sitting there in July. And, and maybe that's something that you then look at. But to me, it's more like a, the Chargers doesn't fit there, right? They, they got to, like, I don't know where he goes. It's, it's also, it's also not a, it's also not a position of need for the Buccaneers. They have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like, it's not like, like and that's if they get where, Perriman back, they're set. I don't know where he plays. Like maybe the Dolphins, maybe. 
I, but that's scary because he lives. Do you down want to subject a rookie quarterback to that? Like, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, no, Fitzpatrick's going to start, but you're still going to have a rookie quarterback in that locker room. I wouldn't. I would yeah. with a ten foot pole on my team. Period. End of story. But I don't run an NFL franchise. We're talking yeah. about it. So somebody will, and I think it's more of a team that's either really solid. I still, I can still see San Francisco doing it. Yeah, uh, really solid, but it's going to be an injury type thing. I think before anybody really bites that bullet, and they gotta, they gotta know him. They gotta know his team, and his team changed. You can't just call Drew, Drew Rosenhaus anymore and say, "Give me what's up." Honestly, I don't, so I don't know who you call to get an honest account yeah. of who he is and where he is mentally and everything else going on. Uh, that that part would scare me if I was running a team. Yeah, I. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't think it makes sense there. Uh, I don't think the fit makes sense. I mean, I know Tom Brady's there. That's great and all, but uh, they don't need Antonio Brown there. Uh, the chances that he takes away from production from Chris Godwin and Mike Evans is not a risk I'm willing to take. Uh, the chance that he takes away from production or progress from a lo- young locker room or as a distraction is not a risk I think you're willing to take. And look, we've, we have since in this last year found out about some of the things that have happened behind closed doors in Pittsburgh that somehow miraculously did not get out all those years. But in the public eye, he has been a problem since week 17 of the 2018 season. Yeah. This has been a while now. I'm just in the public eye. I'm just stuff that we have known about since then, since week 17 of 2018 season. This is a long time coming. You're not, you know, he's still, by all accounts, I believe he's still a good player. Is he still yeah. an elite player with the position? Probably not. So are you really going to risk it to just essentially bolster a strength already on your team? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Odds makers don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I believe right now, like the latest odds of him, will he play on the same team as Tom Brady in 2020? It's a no is a heavy favorite. Uh, I just don't – I don't see this happening. I don't see this making – I see why Antonio Brown wants it to happen. Yeah. I get it. But, but to my point, nobody gives a shit what Antonio Brown wants at this point. You, you, you have lost yeah. the right to say that. Yep. I just don't see how it makes sense for Tampa. I really don't. There's a team right here that we just talked about that just popped in my head to make sense, and that's Minnesota. Yeah. Because Zimmer ain't putting up with anything. He'll, he'll shit can him immediately at the first sign of any trouble. But they need him with Man. Stephon Diggs gone. And that, would, that to me, that makes sense. I, I think the locker room can handle that and Zim can handle that. But you know, the other one is, is Green Bay that we just talked about. That's a team that if Aaron Rodgers has a legit yeah. weapon with Devontae Adams, do they sacrifice whatever it is to go try to make a run? That's another one that makes sense. I mean, Listen. but I don't, think, I don't think they do it. Like, I don't think he gets reinstated tomorrow when somebody signs him the next day. I think that, to me, that doesn't happen. That one, the reinstation, he needs to get reinstated first and foremost, and there's still whatever's going on. I'm not up to date on the legal ramifications of him and the sexual assault, harassment, lawsuit. That's a whole nother thing. I don't even know where that is. But strictly from if he gets reinstated, one, another reason I wouldn't have him in Florida is because that's where all the bad stuff is happening because he's from there, okay? You can't, if you can't take that risk. You just can't. It doesn't make any sense because he's got a lot of bad people around him making bad decisions and encouraging that bad behavior if he's going to do anything and if he's actually going to make it back it's got to be a scenario like jake unfortunately it would make me sick to my stomach if it worked out but a place like green bay where there ain't shit to do in green bay man it's going to be the opposite of you being in florida where you can do be out in miami and doing things and like you're going to go to cold ass green bay where there's two total bars and there ain't nothing to do and you can go play football and that's it. 
Like, I can see that working though. Like the more we're yeah. sitting talking about that, one, there's no question whose team it is. That's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Two, you're not the best receiver on your team. That's Devontae Adams, who's a yep. star. Three, a really good veteran defensive leadership, and you got a young head coach that wants to win. He's yep. probably willing to take the chance to do it. To me, it makes a lot of sense, but I don't think they do it immediately. I don't think they do it without a physical. I don't think they do it without a mental evaluation. Uh, and you can't do any of this stuff right now. Because nope. you can't even take physicals and have press conferences with guys. So if he gets reinstated soon, we don't even know if that's going to happen. Uh, I, I would say that that actually makes sense. And that would be really, really intriguing to see him with Devontae Adams and Rodgers. And I think Green Bay would move away from it really quickly, right? They would have a low tolerance level. And Everybody I think is. They, I don't think anybody's yeah. going to have anything more than you cough in the wrong direction, don't cover your mouth, you're out. Yeah, it's it, he's 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 gone so far past getting any semblance of wiggle room, right? There's just there isn't an opportunity for him to step left when he needs to go right. There's just not. He he is foregone that privilege uh, with how he handled himself in Oakland last year. It, it was just a catastrophe for that team, for him, and for Drew Rosenhaus, as Jake said, to walk away from him. You knew it was bad. Because Drew stuck with him through a lot of that BS. And it must have gotten to a point where there's, I'm sure there's quite a bit we don't know that happened behind the scenes that made it much worse and just made it where Drew said, you know what, can't do this anymore because you're not listening to me, right? And that's what happened. He wasn't listening to anybody. He wasn't listening to anybody. So, uh, By the I, way, there's one other piece to this, guys. Antonio ain't coming for free. Oh, he that's thinks the, very course. highly of himself. So when you, big ego. The, when you talk about the Bucks. They got other needs. They got other stuff they want to do. Unless he's coming for a million dollars, which I can't imagine is the case. Yeah, no. They don't have a whole lot of money. Yeah, Green that's... Bay could probably make some room, but I, you know, I can't imagine him coming to play for less than five million dollars. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting. I don't think he's going to even sniff the conversation that happens until we're done with this coronavirus stuff, and I don't know when that's going to be, guys. So yeah. I don't know what, cause he's and again, if it's me, I'm not, you're not getting anything. If, if I'm even considering it, it's a one year veteran minimum, prove it. Yeah. That's with, it. With no guarantees and a Nothing. bunch of outs. Yep. A bunch of clauses were handwriting in your contract that you're going to initial and sign Yep. that I don't know you Jack, even if, even if you're there for the day one of the league year, which guarantees a veteran contract for the year. No, 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 no. If I cut you after week four, I don't know you the rest of nothing yep. because of something you did contract det detrimental, whatever you want to say. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of verbiage in this contract. I, if it was me, I wouldn't offer him anything but that. But I know him, and I can't imagine him coming for less than at least minimum three. I can't imagine him coming anywhere with for us $5 million. Yeah, I, I can see the, the tweet already. I feel disrespected. I can't even – like, I just uh, – I'm already, I'm already sick of it. It's not even happening, and I'm already sick of it. So, uh, guys, any parting thoughts on today's pod? As we mentioned on Wednesday, and I'm going to mention it again here now, we are going to start looking division by division again, right? We're going to go back and now look at these teams post this big week of free agency. There will still be moves, obviously, that happen, right? That's going to continue to happen. Uh, over the next couple of weeks and even into a lot of the veterans that sign in the summertime. And, and, and I think this, the, the virus stuff is definitely going to change how that dynamic works out. But a lot of these teams made big moves and these teams look much different now than they did when we previewed these teams. So we're going to go division by division, break down everything that happened. We got into most of the big ones, but I want to look at the teams in totality. So be sure to check those out. We'll be starting those coming up, coming this next week, but, uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's pod? 
Yeah, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. Free agency is not over, but man, it feels like it, it kind of is. We were so damn excited for it, and so much happened. Yeah. It's going to take weeks for this to soak into me of how much actually changed. We talked so about it. You could go from horrible to pretty damn good just by free agency. Then there's some teams that did. Everybody made moves, but there's teams mm-hmm. we didn't even talk about. When we get back and we break down these teams and go, oh, man, I totally forgot about that. That was a great signing. Uh, it's just, I cannot believe how much actually happened, how the week is gone. I can't believe Tom Brady's a freaking buck. That's what I, that's what I like <laughs> with my party thought. Uh, Jamie, your parting thoughts? I'm going to read some names to you quickly. Okay. okay. Kevin Johnson, BJ Goodson, Andrew Sandejo, Carl Joseph, Andrew Billings, Case Keenum, Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin. One year after the sizzle, we got a substance-filled free agency for the Cleveland Browns. I think they've had a really, really strong offseason so far. Found their right tackle of the future. Found their tight end of the future. Backup, a starting cornerback, a starting defensive lineman, safety depth, uh, a great special teams player in Jojo Natson they got from the Rams. Uh, they've had a really – I know they lost Joe Schobert, but other than that, they have had a really strong offseason so far. And I expect, again, hope – for big things from that team this year because they still have a tremendous amount of talent, had another strong offseason. Maybe everybody in that locker room that was there last year has been humbled a little bit. Yeah, I think that's those are all really, really great points, Jamie. My parting thoughts are we're going to see Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis. We're going to see Tom Brady in Tampa. We're going to see Tyrod Taylor slash Justin Herbert potentially playing for the Chargers. We're going to see Teddy Bridgewater starting for the Carolina Panthers. We're going to see who the hell knows starting for the New England Patriots. Guys, and the those, Chicago Bears. And Nick Foles starts <laughs> at, like, I mean, like, but just for, as far as, like, when you're talking about the New England and the Chargers and Carolina, you talk about Cam and Phillip and Tom. For We got used to seeing these guys there for so long. There is so much change that happened at the most important position in football figureheads for these teams man that's that's exciting that in and of itself take everything else out just the quarterback movement has been awesome and we still like I said we still don't know who the hell is playing who is that Jamie who is Ben Roethlisberger oh my god what What you said you said you were gonna cut it when you could start throwing again you're throwing (laughs) cut that off your face man Yo, there is something. You can't see the video part, but yeah, if you see, if you check out the, the Steelers account uh, tonight, it's a stay at home, like quarantine message from, from Big Ben. But he is, Ryan Fitzpatrick would be jealous uh, of this beard. Yeah. yeah Brett, Brett Kiesel, the beard, the original the beard is not jealous of that because uh, his was actually fabulous. But yeah, it's time to go, man. Hunting yeah. season's over. Yeah, Ben, uh, brother, you got something living on your face. It's, it's time. It is time. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You guys should check out all of the NFL free agency content the Draft Network did this week on thedraftnetwork.com. And be sure to subscribe and become a premium member so you can check out Kyle's Prospectus and Ben's CQ uh, that dropped this week as well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.